Welcome to a series of talks about objective consciousness, an objective universe, and an objective way to awaken, expanding upon the works of George I. Gurdjieff and Russell A. Smith. Due to popular request, we have made available the first two chapters of the audiobook of The Blueprint of Consciousness. This podcast is part six of chapter two, The Uncreation of the Universe. And, in this part, we decipher some ancient knowledge, look at the mathematics of the Enneagram, and examine the law of seven before and after it was changed from even sevenths to diatonic. Let's begin. The Blueprint of Consciousness An Accelerated Path to Awakening by Russell A. Smith Chapter 2 the Uncreation of the Universe Part 6 Cosmic Secrets Pages 22, 23 and 24 This knowledge that one law is defined in mathematical thirds of the absolute one divided by three and the other in mathematical sevenths one divided by seven is probably familiar to anyone who has ever studied the Enneagram. But is this factual? We know from our previous investigations that the three forces do divide the octave into even thirds. But the diatonic scale does not divide the octave into even sevenths. Then why is the Enneagram symbology of even sevenths so specific. Eureka! Perhaps the Enneagram contains an esoteric representation of the original structure of the law of seven before it was changed. A structure that had intervals in equal sevenths and not diatonic as they are now. Procedure for finding out. 1. Divide the octave into seven equal segments. 2. Incorporate the three separated forces. 3. Decipher some ancient knowledge. We return to the octave of 168 and divide it into seven equal segments. And here in the Blueprint of Consciousness we show a table of an octave in even sevenths. From Do 168, Re Mi Fa So La Ti to Do 336. The table also shows the respective fractions for an ascending octave and for an all to nothing octave. Then by incorporating this even sevenths law of octaves with the three separated forces, see page 23, we discover that force 2, 224 vibrations, and force 3, 280 vibrations, do not align with the structure. Force 1, the force at Doe, 168 and 336 vibrations, 
is the only force that aligns with the structure. Here, where the force and structure mutually exist, a bond is formed. We now show an octave from dough 168 to dough 336, showing separated forces, even thirds, and the octave structure, even sevenths. The final step. Decipher some ancient knowledge. These changes in the functioning of the sacred heptaparaparshanok consisted in this. That in three of its stopinders, he altered the, what are called, subjective actions, which had been until then in the stopinders. In this respect, that in one, he lengthened the law-conformable successiveness, shortened it in another, and in a third, disharmonized it. And, namely, with the purpose of providing the requisite inherency for receiving, for its functioning, the automatic affluence of all forces which were near, he lengthened the stopinder between its third and fourth deflections. This same stopender of the sacred Heptaparabarshanok is just that one, which is still called the Makano coinciding Mudnel in. The key to deciphering these passages can be found in the first paragraph, where Gurdjieff says, lengthened the law conformable successiveness. From the Absolute's point of view, Do 336, there are seven stopinders, Doti, Tila, Lasso, Sofar, Farmi, Mirei, and Rado. In law conformable, equal sevenths succession, one after another. To lengthen the law conformable successiveness implies that one of the stopinders is going to be displaced, in this case, moved away from the absolute. Next, in the second paragraph, we find out which stopinder is going to be moved. However, Gurdjieff buries the dog by, first, referring to the stopinders in ascending order. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. And second, by telling us it is the stopinder between the third and fourth deflections, mi, fa, that will be lengthened. As if the lengthening occurs between mi, fa. Instead, it is the entire stopinder, the stopinder between mi, fa, that will undergo having its law-conformable successiveness lengthened, moved further away from the absolute. We will now go back to the mathematics of the Enneagram. The law of three is at thirds. We got that. But the law of seven is not at sevenths. It is diatonic. Hey, perhaps 
the law of seven was its seventh before it became diatonic. You know, we postulated that before the law of three was separated into thirds, the forces were all in the same place. But we have not postulated what the law of seven looked like before it became diatonic. Perhaps that clue was right in front of us all along, hiding in the mathematics of the Enneagram. That is, the Enneagram may represent a transitional state of the universe between the first change of creation, which prompted the second, but before the second was initiated, thus revealing what the law of seven looked like before it was changed, as well as showing us the mathematical flow of the line of supervision. All right. To find out, we will calculate an octave in even sevenths and place within it the separated forces at even thirds and see what we get. With one law in sevenths and the other law at thirds, we can see the dilemma. An octave calculated in sevenths does not have mutual points of contact with all three forces. Only the top dough and the bottom dough contact force one. The notes of an octave calculated in even sevenths are at 168, 192, 216, 240, 264, 288, 312 and 336. Whereas the forces at even thirds are at 168, 224, 280 and 336. The intervals between the notes at even sevenths are all 24. Write those in. The distances between the forces at even thirds are all 56. Write those in. Gurdjieff suggested that our endlessness achieved common alignment between the forces and the structure by altering two of the intervals, which caused a third interval to be disharmonized. These changes in the functioning of the sacred heptaparapashanok consisted in this, that in three of its stop-enders he altered the what are called subjective actions, which had been until then in the stop-enders, in this respect, that in one he lengthened the law-conformable successiveness, shortened it in another, and in a third disharmonized it. And, namely, with the purpose of providing the requisite inherency for receiving, for its functioning, the automatic affluence of all forces which were near, he lengthened the stop-ender between its third and fourth deflections. This same stop-ender of the sacred Heptaparapashanok is just that one, which is still called the Meccano coinciding Mudnell Inn. Russell read and reread this Gurdjieff passage, trying to make sense of the ideas contained therein, which ultimately led him 
to uncreate the universe. Here is how Russell describes it on page 28 and 29 of Cosmic Secrets in Reflections. It was in 1988 that the idea of uncreating the universe first began to coagulate in the fabric of my thoughts. Before I explain the events that followed, perhaps it would be beneficial to back up for a moment. This facet of my quest to unlock the secrets buried in Gurdjieff's cosmology actually began in 1980. I can still remember my first discovery. I was browsing through the dictionary and happened upon the geologic timescale. In it, I saw octaves emerging. I assigned values to those octaves and calculated my own scale of geologic time. To my surprise, my calculations precisely matched more than half of the dictionary's figures, and the rest were close enough to convince me that indeed there must be, behind all life, a definable and verifiable structure, the infrastructure of the universe. From that moment on, I began to calculate octaves of every imaginable size, in hopes that I would recognize other patterns emerging. All the while, I kept reading and rereading Gurdjieff's writings in order to learn more about myself and to look for additional clues that might aid me in this quest. With perseverance, I was able to unscramble other things, which also pointed in the same direction, the octaves in a structure, which we will discuss in Chapter 3. The octaves' duality which we will discuss in Chapter 4, the diatonic enneagram, and the shock octaves, which we will discuss in Chapter 5, which of course further stimulated my search. It seemed as if the complexities of Gurdjieff's two fundamental laws unfolded before my eyes. I should have been elated, but instead... I was filled with trepidation, for I knew that until I was able to understand their creation and actually verify how and why these two laws acquired such a specific structure, all my efforts would remain speculation, a manipulation of facts and figures, that is, results without substance. Then, on that fate-filled day in 1988, after eight years of searching, and after I had calculated enough material to literally fill a small library, the idea finally hit me. If I could unravel the diatonic law of octaves, and then recreate it, I would have absolute confidence in the structure that was created and would also unequivocally substantiate my previous findings. Days passed without sleep. I could not stop the momentum that had begun, nor did I want to. Finally, 
the vivifying process completed itself, and I excitedly constructed the first working model that showed the changing of the laws, demonstrating to several of my students the creation of the diatonic scale, and ultimately the actualization of the universe itself. When I did, they became extremely quiet, contemplating its possibilities, and very active, applying its realities. Perhaps you will too. So, let us return to our investigations and discover together the law-conformable results that flowed forth the moment the diatonic universe came into being. Cosmic Secrets, pages 30, 31, and 32. Here is how to make the same model that Russell used to create the diatonic universe. See the finished model on page 120. To create the diatonic scale, take a poster board, drop down one inch, and mark a vertical line 21 inches long and one quarter inch to the left of center. Divide the line into seven three-inch segments, eight points. To the left of the line, label the points Do, Ti, La, So, Fa, Mi, Re, and Do, from the top down. Mark the line again in one-eighth-inch segments, thus making the ascending Do zero, 0 over 7, Ray 24, 1 seventh, Mi 48, 2 sevenths, Fa 72, 3 sevenths, So 96, 4 sevenths, La 120, 5 sevenths, T 144, 6 sevenths, and the descending Do 168, 7 sevenths. See the finished diagram on the next page. Next, divide the line into three equal segments to identify the three separated forces. Draw and label the force lines at 0, 7 inches, 14 inches, and 21 inches, or in 1 eighth of an inch increments at 0, 56, 112, and 168 on the scale. At this point, drop down one inch and draw another 21 inch vertical line. But this time, draw it one quarter inch to the right of center, keeping parallel with the other 21 inch line. Using the same scale of 1 eighth inches, Label the notes on this line diatonically. Thus, make the ascending Do 0, 0 over 1, Re, 21, 1 eighth, Mi, 42, 1 quarter, Fa, 56, 1 third, So, 84, 1 half, La, 112, 2 thirds, T, 147, 7 eighths, and the descending doe, 
168, 1 over 1. To complete the model, take a half inch wide, 12 and a half inches long elastic strip and staple it at and even with the descending dough, leaving half inch above the dough in which to put the staples. The bottom of the elastic should fall even with the far of the left line at 72, exactly 12 inches from the descending dough. Also, cut a half inch wide strip of typing paper, nine and a half inches long. Tape it between the two lines, but this time at and even with the ascending dough, leaving half inch below the ascending dough on which to put the tape and nine inches above. The top end of the half inch wide paper strip should meet exactly with the bottom end of the half inch wide elastic strip at 72 on the scale. Finally, mark the center strips the same as the left line. The elastic should now be marked with lines representing the descending dough, 7 sevenths, T, 6 sevenths, La, 5 sevenths, So, 4 sevenths, and Fa, 3 sevenths. The paper strip should be marked with lines representing Fa, 3 sevenths, Mi, 2 sevenths, Re, 1 seventh, and the ascending dough, 0 sevenths. The bottom of the elastic strip and the top of the paper strip are marked far, three sevenths, since they meet at this point. To observe the shifting of the notes, simply stretch the far 72, three sevenths, at the end of the elastic, down to the force line at 56, one third. You will discover that the lines on the elastic strip have moved, and now align with a diatonic scale, except for T, which is diatonically positioned by the shortening of the last stop ender. Likewise, if you push the top end of the paper strip, far 72 3 sevenths, down to the force line at 56 1 third, you will produce a close facsimile of the cosmic rumple. It identifies that the resulting new positions of me and Ray are also in perfect alignment with the diatonic scale. By virtue of a perpendicular line drawn back to the plane of the poster board. Russell imagined the fabric of the universe to be flexible, stretchable, but non-compressible. So, the elastic and paper strips worked perfectly. When he pushed the far at three-sevenths to the force at one-third and witnessed what happened to the rest of the notes which were marked with red lines, he was truly amazed. They moved from sevenths and became diatonic. Oh my goodness! Since he imagined the fabric of the universe to be flexible, stretchable, but non-compressible, he pushed the paper strip from three-sevenths to one-third and witnessed the cosmic rumple. The notes me and Ray, marked on the paper strip by red lines, were displaced 
and also became diatonic, aligning with the quarter and the eighth. Amazing. One movement, pushing the far at three-sevenths down to the force at one-third, also pulled the la at five-sevenths into alignment with the other force at two-thirds and caused the notes at one-seventh, two-sevenths, three-sevenths, four-sevenths and five-sevenths to become one-eighth, one-quarter, one-third, one-half and two-thirds, creating the diatonic universe. Russell was utterly amazed and surprised. In his study of octaves, Russell had figured out outer octaves, inner octaves, shock octaves, etc. He had his finger on the pulse of creation. However, he did not fully understand the changing of the laws. But since everything he discovered indicated truth, he wanted to see if he could create a model which would validate his discoveries. Because, if he could, they would become more valuable than gold. He noticed, while reading Beelzebub's tales to his grandson, in the chapter Purgatory, the chapter on the changing of the two great laws, that the changes Gurdjieff proposed involved one stop being lengthened in its law-conformable successiveness, another being shortened in its law-conformable successiveness, and a third being disharmonized in its law-conformable successiveness. So Russell got to thinking, what does law-conformable successiveness mean? Then he thought, oh my, that means sevenths, like the sevenths he saw in the Enneagram. Law-conformable, even sevenths. What if the universe started off as even sevenths? Then there would be a law-conformable successiveness to things. All the intervals would be the same. 24, 24, 24, 24, etc. He could not imagine a better model of law-conformable successiveness than even sevenths. And as such... He visualized the universe beginning as even sevenths. He had previously separated the forces into even thirds, seeing them as magnets on strings. When he envisioned the law of seven as even sevenths, he recognized that there was a problem. Even thirds and even sevenths did not work. He understood that he could not change the law of three. The separated forces had to be equilateral. So, he would have to change the law of seven. Then he read where it said that the stopender that was lengthened was between its third and fourth deflections. One, two, three, four. Hey, that is the one between me and far. Lengthened to Russell meant, if God were the top doe, lengthening would mean moving something farther away from God. 
Unfortunately, many of the people who read he lengthened the stop ender between its third and fourth deflections took to mean that God pulled the notes me and far apart. As such, they wrote books to that end. No, it is not about pulling me and far apart. It is about a stop ender that needed to be pushed farther away from God, pushed farther away from the top dough. It is about lengthening the law conformable successiveness of the stop ender that is between the third and fourth deflections, between me and far. It meant that the me far stop ender needed to be moved, needed to be lengthened in its law conformable successiveness. So, Russell, trying to look at it from God's point of view, reasoned that if God needed to move the entire stop ender farther away from himself, where would he push? On the me? Or on the far? Of course, on the far. Then, if God did that, the entire stopender would be pushed away. Since the aim was to bring the structure into common alignment with the separated forces, God would most likely keep pushing on the far until it reached the force at one-third. So, there was Russell, reading those Beelzebub's passages over and over and over again, trying to visualize them. He knew how stretching worked, and he was able to envision the stretch being spread out evenly. If this guy moves 16, then that guy moves 12, and that guy moves 8. Russell was in the zone of understanding. Three days later, he was still sitting in his recliner. His eyes were getting black and baggy, and there were papers with various calculations on them, scattered all over the floor. The process he was going through finally completed itself. And on the fourth day, he saw it. He saw the rumple. He saw the stretch. He saw the notes move from even sevenths to diatonic. And he thought, oh my God. He jumped up, ripped a poster board off the wall, turned it over, the back was clean. He marked it in even sevenths, even thirds, and diatonically. It took 21 inches to get the octave of 168 depicted in 1 8 inch marks. He found a piece of elastic in the sewing kit and stapled it to the top dough. Then he cut a paper strip and taped it to the bottom dough. The elastic strip and the paper strip met at 3 sevenths. He marked the elastic strip and the paper strip in even sevenths. Then pushed on the spot where the elastic and paper strips met. And he saw the fabric of the universe stretch, rumple, and become diatonic. Eureka! He hung the poster board on the back of the front door and showed every student who entered how the diatonic universe was created.
beyond an incredibly incredible moment. The following diagram shows how even sevenths became diatonic. An animation of this diagram, as well as several others, can be found at thedogteachings.com slash animations. Enjoy. That concludes today's podcast. If you would like a chance to read the whole book, The Blueprint of Consciousness, An Accelerated Path to Awakening, which is available as a high-quality 520-page hardback, and also as a PDF download, simply visit the store at our website, thedogteachings.com. The Blueprint of Consciousness contains an objective exercise in awakening that has literally awakened hundreds of people. Be free. Be awake. Be real. And realize your full potential as a human being. On our website, you will be able to listen to other talks, obtain diagrams, animations, supporting videos, and much, much more. In addition, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under The Dog Teachings. And, as a reminder, we have two Zoom classes every Saturday to assist you. Level 1 is freely available for anyone who purchases the Blueprint of Consciousness, and the other is for those who have obtained the Master Exercises and the Double or Nothing Exercises. See under Resources, Zoom Classes, for more details. All at the dogteachings.com. That's T H E D O G T E A C H I N G S dot com. Goodbye. Until next time.